From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Welcome back, Frosty Podcast listeners, to our third installment of the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost, and with me as always, Tony Perenni. Tony, how are you doing this week? Doing well, Derek. How are things on your end? Very good. This week is a special week. We get to dive into your team. Uh, see what happened last year, why things maybe didn't go so well. Uh, you were in the toilet bowl playoffs after all. Uh, and then we're going to look at a little more broad uh, into the league and really focus in on keepers as we are approaching keeper deadline. Hasn't been set yet, but we know it's coming soon. So without further ado, coach, let's dig into your team. So give us Excellent. an overall, how did it go last year for you? Uh, last year was a very... Uh up and down season for me. I know the record at the end of the year, seven and six, just snuck into the playoffs. Um, very, very interesting the way things were last season where um, you had obviously Steve's team 13 and 0, you had Ken's team one and 12 and everybody else is kind of right there in the middle. So a pedestrian record, like seven and six that my team ended up with ended up being uh, one of the better ones in the league. Um, but it was, it was really, really hard to get any traction last season uh, just just because uh the injury factors that kept hitting I had I had a hole at wide receiver two for most of the year that I really um was trying to fill through trades and I felt like I did that by the end of the season but the guys that I was able to plug in there eventually got hurt and that's just how it went um there, there was a point in the season where uh, injuries started hitting and bye week started hitting and I had Jordy Nelson starting and Wendell Smallwood at running back, uh, Jermaine Curse. There, there were some rough oh. weeks in there uh, where I was just running out of bodies to play. And finally, once we uh, got to the point where we had the team where I envisioned it to be for the stretch run, um, I want to say they were together for about a quarter. Uh, put that team together. Cooper Cup goes down after one quarter of action, torn ACL next week. Uh, OJ Howard goes down and Marvin Jones goes down. Marvin Jones was the guy that I required in a trade to give me insurance in case one of my receivers went down and my insurance went down. Uh, it was, it was just one of those seasons. Dalvin cook was hurt all year. I finally was able to trade him off um, to get Michael Thomas. And it just, with the way things fell, just didn't work out. Yeah. Coach. I mean, looking at your roster, as you ended the season, you have one guy, from the draft and realistically it was Alvin Kamara. He was your keeper last year. You have nobody that you drafted last year on your roster today. That's, that's pretty indicative of where my team was. Um, that's also very indicative of what my style is where I'm, I'm going to keep tinkering with the roster the entire season, to try and get it where I want it to be. And um, really no player on my roster is untouchable outside of Kamara. Uh, so I, I really tried as best I could to turn over every stone to, make the team better. And I think if, if I'm looking back and just looking at the process I went through, I, I really liked what I was able to do. It's just those pieces that I acquired just weren't able to stay on the field when it was all said and done. Well, and since you brought up Alvin Kamara, you know, this guy, you, you kept him last year for $6, meaning you picked him up the year before for $1. Uh, he had an, an average, uh, keeper or average auction ranking last year for 50 he's going to have an average auction value this year of 58 and you're going to be able to keep him for 11 
I mean, what a great keeper opportunity there. Uh, spectacular. Um, I, I don't want to get too in-depth on him because I know uh, we're probably not going to be done talking about him in this pod today, but he, he single-handedly kept me out of the toilet bowl two seasons ago. I, I would have been, you know, number two pencils out in a school doing that ACT if it wasn't for him bailing me out <laughs> in that season where I lost four of my starters in the first four weeks. Uh, just finding him on the waiver wire for a dollar and then being able to plug him in with Mark Ingram was spectacular. And, I, you know, you look at the just the way this league is is formatted with the full point uh, PPR. Uh, he's he's really the prototype that you look for in this league. And to have him for such a value of, that I have, uh, I, I should have him his entire career, the way it's drawn up right now. So um, it's definitely exciting to have him to build around, even if some of the other the some of the other players around there might be a little fuzzier. Yeah. So I guess, what do you think is going to happen first? His bid value goes too high or he, uh, he starts falling off his prime. That's a good question. Uh, you, you know how it is with running backs. Um, they don't stay durable for very long. So I, I think it's very likely that I could see, especially with my history with players, uh, just him being on my roster is probably shortening his career as it is. Um, <laughs> probably looking at him uh, starting to wind down before his bid value gets too high because he's so far off from it actually happening. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking of keepers, uh, you know, coach, so I'm looking at your roster coming into this year. Uh, So Alvin Kamara, we just talked about James Connor. You pick him up for a dollar last year in free agency. ESPN ranks him as a $40 auction draft this year. He was your sixth best, best running back. Uh, he's going to cost you $6, giving you a $34 value. Is he on your keeper list? Uh, he is on my keeper list. He's also on another one of my lists right now um, that was discussed last week. Um, probably don't want to get into too many details on that. But uh, <laughs> he was he was a sensational pickup for me last year. I just took a, a flyer on him right before the season started when I saw Le'Veon was still holding out going into – uh, the week of the first game, I really didn't think much of it. I thought I was going to be cutting him a couple of days later. Um, and the, that couple of days later just never came. Le'Veon never showed up. James Conner went in, uh, just really plugged right into that Le'Veon role. A uh, little different flair to it, a little more downhill runner and maybe not so much uh, a threat in the passing game. But uh, he was very valuable for me uh, while he was on the field. Absolutely. And and so coach, anybody else hitting that keeper, that keeper ranking for you? I'm definitely looking at Aaron Jones. I'm, I'm really, really high on Aaron Jones this year. I think he's got the potential to be a top five back in this league. Uh, just with his talent, he's the most efficient running back in the league. He averages over 5.5 yards per carry has the last two seasons. It's only because of Mike McCarthy that he's been kept in check. Really? Uh, now you get Matt LaFleur in there a coach who's a little more willing to build around the running game. Uh, Jones has a big fan in Aaron Rodgers, who's gone out there and spoken about him often. It wants to get him more involved. I think LaFleur is going to see the same thing. I know he's saying all the right coach speak right now about how he wants to have a running back by committee with Jones and Williams. Um, but I think the talent's going to win out at the end of the day. I just don't see how you can keep Aaron Jones off the field with the way he's been performing. If he stays healthy, I think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, he's going to cost you $9 this year. You got got him for four last year off a of free agency. And ESPN's uh, giving you an auction value of 18 for him. So that's a $9 value for for a great player. 
so do those three are going to round out your keeper list for this year, you think? I believe so, yeah. I, th I think Aaron Jones' suspension at the beginning of the season helped me out a little bit and helped me secure him for a lower value. So uh, blessing in disguise on that one. Probably not so much for him. So, Coach, to uh, to change gears a bit, uh, so we announced last last week on the podcast that our, our theme this year is going to be fake corporate sponsors. And, Coach, you have the first name of the league. You want to tell us about it? Yes, it is Nooks and Fannies. Anybody who is a shameless fan uh, should love this one. Uh, Kev creates the uh, topless maid service uh, that goes around in a van, has has the good logos on the van. Um, this, this just seemed like the right corporate sponsor for what we're going for this year. So happy to have them on board. Uh, starting to print the merchandise now. Excellent, Coach. So congratulations for being the first one to jump on board. Thank you. Um, it's something we're going to highlight on this podcast as team names are chosen. Um, but but you got the first. So uh, excited for this new theme. As am I. As am I. Uh, I, I believe I was the one who pitched the idea. Uh, so this you can see kind of what I had in mind when I went through it. And, uh, I'm excited to get rolling. Big news, Frosty Podcast listeners. You can now catch the Frosty Podcast on Podbean as well as Apple Podcasts. Now back to the rest of the show. Hope you enjoy. So, Coach, expanding on something that we talked about last week when when Steve Ruber was with us, uh, is this trade? You know, we had the, the trade proposed. There was a lot of controversy last week when we talked about it. Uh, it's all kind of calmed down now. Uh, but at this point, the trade did not go through. It got vetoed by the league. Uh, what's your take on all this? Um, well, I just give you a status update on that. Uh, and maybe, maybe this is some breaking news. I don't know if you have a breaking news button for this podcast yet that you can hit. Uh, uh, I will. This is breaking news. The, the James Conner for George Kittle deal is agreed to in principle at this point. So um, after the draft, it will be executed. Um, this just going to have to be NBA draft style at this point. Uh, James Conner is going to have to wear the Nooks and Fannies hat for the night and then uh, switch over the next day once everything becomes active. Uh, but uh, both Steve and I feel that this is a good deal for both parties uh, with how top heavy I was at running back. I could, I could spare Conner in order to get myself a, a top flight tight end and just where his needs were, um, especially with some of the tough decisions he's going to have in his roster, he really needed a low price running back. So it uh, worked out for both sides. It's agreed to in principle, uh, obviously can't be executed until after the draft, but uh, George Kittle will be a, a nook and fanny. So you heard it here first, listeners. Uh, I don't think it was a surprise, but you heard it here first. Uh, so how, how do you plan on using Kittle? Uh, you know, cause tight end, you had, uh, Evan Ingram there at the end of the year. Um, and he wasn't a bad value. You got him for nothing. Um, so how, what's your plan for Kittle? The issue was I didn't get Ingram until the very end of the season. Um, there, there was just a, a revolving door in my tight end spot last year and it was maddening. And that's really what I was looking to avoid this year. You come into this draft and there's really three good tight ends that you can rely on on a week-to-week -week basis to get your points. Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle. Uh, odds are none of the three were getting thrown back into the draft. So I knew the only chance I would have to acquire one of those was through a trade. Uh, and I just because I didn't want to have to play the musical chairs all season long at the tight end position. It's nice to know going into Sundays that 
you're not going to have this risky spot in your lineup every single week where you have to worry about who you're starting or worry about uh, whether that person's going to lay an egg with two catches or something. Uh, it's, it's nice to know that you're going to have somebody who's going to get eight to 10 targets a game and make it pretty bankable. So that was my thought process between uh, getting Kittle. Uh, last year, he didn't have a great quarterback play around him and still blew up. So this year, as long as they're able to keep Garoppolo upright, I think he could surpass what he did last season. Uh, he obviously has great yard after the catch potential. Um, and there aren't a whole lot of other options at least a whole lot of established options around him in that receiver core. So he's still going to be the guy who's leaned upon. So I really like the fit for our team. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with Gronkowski now retiring, he was your other guy that would have been in that list. But with him out now, yeah, you're down to three. Right. It's a whole new landscape now. And I, I don't think we'll be talking that way at the end of the season. I do expect there's going to be another tight end or two or three in this young crop that's going to show up this season and start to produce consistently. But you could, you could waste an entire season trying to find out who that is. And if you don't have him, you're probably not going to get him mid season. So just to get ahead of the curve, I wanted to make sure I was able to secure him early and I'm glad I was able to. Yeah. Excellent. And again, that, that trade will not be official until after the draft, but uh, coach Steve Groover and Tony Perini have agreed in principle to George Kittle for James Conner. Um, so, Coach, let's shift directions again, and let's talk about your draft strategy, because I'm guessing uh, you weren't real happy with it last year, as, again, we look at your at your roster. You have one keeper in Alvin Kamara. You have one trade in Michael Thomas from Kalen King's team, and the rest of your team you picked up in free agency. So what's your strategy going into this draft to not have a repeat of last year, and hopefully this time next year we're talking about draft you know how great of a draft you had Uh, i think i think i'm going to need to be a little more strategically aggressive at certain positions this year to spend a little more than i did last year sometimes you get lulled into uh, going for some of those mid-price guys in the 30 to 40 dollar range rather than chasing the guys in the 50 60 dollar range which could win you your league if you guess right on them if you go amari cooper as i did last year and you have a coach like john gruden who just refuses to use him uh it ends up ends up coming back to bite you. Same with Jordan Howard that I spent some money on at running back. I think I was around uh, $20 to $30 on him. I thought he was going to have a really big season in Chicago. Uh, Matt Nagy just never could make it work with him. Uh, so but like, I, like I mentioned last week, the more money you spend on these guys, the less risk you typically have with them. As long as they stay healthy, uh, you're going to be able to uh, mitigate that risk a little bit. So I think you could probably see me being a little more aggressive at certain positions in just a a spot or two this year, especially with the cost savings I have built into my keepers right now. I have a lot of room to do that. So um, very likely that that will be a part of my strategy, but there still have at least a month until showtime on that. So things could definitely change. So coach, we talked last week with, uh, with Groover about who he thought was going to was going to win the league, who was the most intriguing team and and who was he thought was going to be sitting for the ACT or whatever penalty we decide. Uh, Coach, who do you think other than your team, of course, uh, who do you think is going to win the league this year? Well, I I think Steve's team is definitely dangerous as always, but he's losing a lot of ammo in his keepers. Um, I think you're going to need to pay attention to Kalen's team. Um, I, I know 
he, he was a little upset we didn't mention him last week, but he does have a solid roster. But uh, some of his keepers are a little pricier, so it's going to be interesting to see what he does on draft day. He's known for making some interesting draft day decisions with his roster. Um, they seem to have paid out for him last year, but um, just comes down to whether that was the process involved or whether just some luck in there. But I think he's definitely got some good tools to build around. You mean $70 for OBJ who gets hurt like game three? That wasn't a good call? I mean, you definitely need three quarterbacks at a $40 value as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely some uh, some questionable drafting by K- Coach Kalen King. And spoiler alert, we're going to have him on uh, next time. He's going to go through some of those draft strategies with us. I can't wait to question him on his unorthodox practices when it comes to the draft. Uh, bring a pen and paper for that one. <laughs> No doubt. And, and so, Coach, remind us, who do you think is going to be in last place taking that ACT? I called out Tyler Kerr last week, and I'm, I'm sticking by it. I know he's had a rough couple of years here, and he really needs a solid draft to reverse that trend and get out of that ACT territory or whatever punishment we end up going with here. Um, it, it might end up being named after him when it's all said and done if, if he keeps where he's at. Oh man, you know we've been we've been hard on on Coach Tyler Kerr, uh, especially last week. He got called out a couple times. Uh, you know there were some there were some comments made uh, about us being a little harsh on Tyler, but uh, fear not, listeners. He will be on the show if he agrees to it. We will invite him. Um, he may be a little too sour to come on, but but he'll he'll have a chance to defend himself. Yep, looking forward to having him on here. Hopefully it's soon. All right, Coach, stay, stay right where you are. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, keepers this, that, from last year, um, who who kept the right guys and who didn't, uh, right after a word from our sponsors. This is Derek Frost, host of the Frosty Podcast. Be sure to catch our other podcasts from Steel Valley Media, including Finance Forward, hosted by Joe Reedy, a podcast that explores all the tips and tricks of maximizing your financial future using real-world examples and easy-to-follow tips, all while Joe keeps you laughing. That's Finance Forward from Steel Valley Media. Welcome back, listeners. We're going to talk about now the 2018 Keepers. Uh, We have developed a scoring system here on the Frosty Podcast. We call it the Frosty Score. So we have evaluated these keepers based on a few different criteria. One is the value of the keep. So this is determined by comparing the auction value that ESPN gave us for last year versus the bid amount, the amount that the team paid to keep that player. We also account for total points scored as well as player rank to develop the scoring system. Now, because it is based off of all of these things, there is no max score necessarily. Um, However, there is a low score you can get, and that is negative 100, which one of our our players got this year, and we'll get into that in a minute. But first, Coach, let's talk about our top five keepers from last year. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Coming in at number five, Coach Hulick, wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. He was kept for $35, an auction value of 47, so that's a $12 value, scored 334 points, second best wide receiver in the league, and earned a frosty score of 67. Coach, what do you think about Hopkins? 
I mean, Hopkins has been the picture of consistency for the Houston Texans uh, since he was drafted. If you look at it, he's finished in the top four, three of the last four seasons for receivers. Uh, he had a 35% target share over the past two seasons for the Texans. He's literally the only guy they're throwing to, especially with the injuries that have occurred to Will Fuller and some of their uh, alternate options in the passing game that have been a little sporadic. Um 115 catches, 1,572 yards last season on 163 targets. Most impressively of all of all of these statistics, 115 catches did not drop a single pass in 2018. That, that is, is insane. almost unheard of. Uh, $35, and the fact that he's on this list just shows how much value he is. Uh, he's going to be $40 next year, and it would not surprise me at all this time next year if we're talking about him being on this list again. It's just how deadly consistent he is. Absolutely. So great pickup by Coach Ulick there. Coming in at number four from Tim Taft's team, wide receiver Adam Thielen. Coach Taft kept him for $8. Uh, he was an auction value of 28 so that's a $20 value. Uh, total points scored 307 for a, a player ranking of number seven in the wide receiver category and a frosty score of 71 coach. What do you think? Adam Thielen was uh, just the start to the season he had last year was insane. Uh, if it wasn't for an offensive coordinator change at the end of the season, uh, he might be even higher on this list. Really uh, had 113 catches for 1,373 yards and nine touchdowns. That's on 153 targets. Uh, just immediately developed great chemistry with Kirk cousins. He had a, a catch rate of almost 74% from Cousins. Um, was averaging almost 24 points per game through the first nine weeks. Kind of slowed down as the season went, but he still posted eight top 10 fantasy weeks, which tied for the most in the league. Um, if it wasn't for the end of the season, as I mentioned, when, once Kevin Stefanski came in as offensive coordinator, went a little more run base, he saw – his three least targeted games in those three games with two, six, and four respectively. But if you take out those three games, uh, he was as good as any receiver in football. Coming in now at number three from coach Joe Reedy's team, wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Joe kept him for $12, had an uh, average auction value of 26, which gives a total value of 14. Total point scored 334, top wide receiver in the league, and gets a frosty score of 77. Coach. Uh, he is the most dangerous weapon on the most dangerous offense in the league. Um, 87 catches for 1,479 yards last year. It's made it to the end zone 12 different times. He averaged 17 yards per catch. This guy's just a big play waiting to happen. The most astounding part, or most astounding stat to him, is he touched the ball less than seven times per game and amassed all those yards and all those touchdowns. Uh, if, if they can just manage to get him another two or three touches a game, just think 10 touches a game for Tyreek Hill, what he's uh, capable of accomplishing. Now, obviously, he's going to have uh, – there's this looming suspension issue over his head right now, and that might affect uh, what Joe Reedy tends to do on this keeper selection, but he's still such a good value – um, I obviously need to see where that suspension lies, but I think it's very likely that Joe's going to be bringing him back again. Yeah. And, and we'll have, we'll have Joe Reedy on here in the near future, uh, to talk about this, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Tyree kill heck of a season. Now, when we look at these last three guys, number five, Deandre Hopkins, number four, Adam Thielen, number three, Tyree kill, our frosty scores are pretty tight. 67, 
71-77 respectively. Now we get into our top two, and there's some big differences here. Number two overall from Coach Steve Groover's team, running back Todd Gurley. Groover kept him for 36. He had an average auction value of 56, which gives him a value of $20. He scored 372 points, the third best running back, and earns a frosty score of 100. Coach, what do you think about Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley didn't miss a beat from 2017. He came in, picked up right where he left off, amassed 1,831 total yards. That's on 1,251 rushing and also added 17 rushing touchdowns. He averaged 26.6 points per game. Ended up missing the final two games with obviously this injury concern that is still lingering heading into the season. It really uh, just wrecked him for the off for the the postseason last year. Um, ended up missing those final two games. Those games were against San Francisco and Arizona, the two worst run defenses in the league. He ends up over 2,000 total yards if he plays the, those games. It's not even a question. He still finishes his RB three, missing those two games, and. At, as we mentioned last week when we had Steve Groover on here, uh, he's going to have an interesting decision on this one. He really is because Gurley comes in at $36 for last year and still ends up number two on this list because of how much value he gives. Uh, his average auction value right now, if you look at the ESPN rankings, is right around $42. He's still going for around where that keeper value would be. Uh, if, if Steve decides he's still worth it and decides it's worth uh, sitting out this this injury concern and uh, basically calling it a big bluff, uh, there could be a lot of reward at the end of the rainbow for him. It'd be hard if you were Steve to watch Todd Gurley on another team, knowing that you could have had him for about what he would get drafted for, and you know Todd Gurley run all over your team. I mean, if you believe in him, you just you just draft him, right? I mean, even if if the value is right where he would be drafted anyway, it's just an advanced draft pick at that point. Like, I'm going to spend this much on him on draft night. I might as well just do it now and take out that bidding war that might come. Right, right. All right, Coach. Number one from your team, running back Alvin Kamara. We talked about him earlier. You got him for $6. ESPN had an auction value last year of 50 which means you got him for a $44 value. Total points for ESPN was 354 Fourth best running back, getting our top Frosty score of 177. Coach, tell us about Alvin Kamara. As I mentioned earlier, Alvin Kamara is automatic for my squad. I finished with 1,592 total yards and 18 touchdowns last year. He had 81 catches, which is extremely high for a running back. He's definitely in the top five in that discussion. As, as I mentioned, he's the prototype for what you look for in a PPR league for your running back. And I think that it has the potential to be even greater this season. If you look back at last season for those first four games when Mark Ingram was out, you look at the point totals that Alvin Kamara put up, 43.1, 17.9, 34, 41.1. He averaged 34 points per game in those, in those four weeks on around 23 touches per game. So if he gets that for a sustainable amount of the season this year, these numbers he put up in 2018 are going to be really small compared to what he can do in 2019. Obviously, there's the concern of whether he can handle that much workload. So it'd be interesting to see how they mix in Latavius Murray. But I mean, he has instant offense and he has a nose for the end zone when he gets the ball. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun watching him again this year. 
Uh, Coach, you told us earlier you're planning on keeping him again. So I have a pretty good feeling we're going to be sitting here same time next year with with Alvin Kamara at number one again with a super high score. Uh, talking about how great of a keeper he was again. As do I. I. I feel really good going into any season with him in my backfield. No doubt. So those are the best keepers. Now let's take a look at the worst keepers from last year. And at the bottom, number 22, without a doubt, getting the all-time low that you can get on the Frosty score. No surprise here. Coach Hulix running back, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he Coach picked him up or kept him for $65. Uh, obviously, we know he was out the entire year on uh, negotiation issues, we'll call it. Uh, so scores zero points. Uh, and... He had an auction value of 57. So Hewlett keep probably a reach. Uh, he, he could have had him for $8 less for the average auction value. And then he gets absolutely nothing out of him. Uh, Coach, what do you have to say about the Le'Veon Bell issue? It's funny. When we went to compile uh, this this worst keeper, we were only going to do one. Um, but because we like to embrace debate on this podcast, there was just simply no debate on this one at all. A 2018 Le'Veon Bell is the worst keeper in the history of fantasy football. Just for the value that people spent on him, in particular, uh, Kevin spent $65 to keep him over his market value because he wanted to make sure that he had him locked in in his backfield and probably assumed he was going to be overpaying for him on draft day anyway. So. $65, that's that's literally one-third of his budget was spent on a player who didn't play a single snap for him. And then you add in uh, that you spend $61 on Saquon Barkley, who he got a lot of good play in before he finally traded him. That's 63% of your budget spent on two players and the one doesn't play. Um, it, it's just it's disastrous what, what Le'Veon Bell was last year. And he is just hands down the worst keeper here. It compelled us to go find more after that. Like, okay, uh, we actually have to have some other ones to discuss. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause it's, yeah, this is absolutely a no brainer now. Okay. So let's, let's take out the fact that Le'Veon doesn't play, right? Cause I don't think on draft day, any of us really thought, Hey, Le'Veon probably won't play. And I think as evidenced by the fact that you were able to pick up James Conner for a dollar in the free agency market, right? So nobody drafts his backup because they're like, oh, yeah, Le'Veon's coming back. Um, so even at that, Kulik goes over what he could have gone. And you think that was just to really make sure that he locked him up and nobody else went into a bidding war with him? I'm thinking that he was anticipating that that price was going to go over uh, what the, the ESPN auction value was just because of the talent that Le'Veon Bell is. You know what he is in that Pittsburgh offense. Um, you're expecting that the price could go up to 65 anyway. So as we mentioned earlier when we were talking about Gurley, at this point it's just an advanced draft pick for Kevin. He uh, He's going to put it in early. Like I'm okay with paying $65 for him even though it's over the auction value. And – I'm going to lock this in now so I don't have to sweat it out uh, come draft day. And in this instance, it did not pay off for him. Didn't pay off for him, but I would argue paid off for you, who picks up James Conner and probably stays out of the toilet bowl because of that pickup. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Picking up Conner was, was huge. And then you get to this offseason and I'm able to trade him for another keepable asset. Um, it, yeah. Uh, obviously, Le'Veon Bell could stay home as long as he wants in my book. I'm completely fine with it. Very good. Now, looking at the, the rest of our bottom list here, uh, in the 21 spot from Coach Tyler Kerr's, Tyler Kerr's team, wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, uh, Kalen King's quarterback Cam Newton, 
Coach Gorgonzola, uh, his wide receiver, Josh Gordon, and Coach Dave Peschen's quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Uh, so, Coach, looking over this bottom list here, who stands out to you? Uh, definitely some interesting names on there. Um, Cam Newton spent most of the season on my roster after I traded for him. Um, uh, this really he ends up going 20.2 points per game. And from a points per game standpoint, he finishes in the top 10 in quarterback play. But sometimes, sometimes it's just, you know, where you finish versus your past seasons. Uh, he's been so good in the past that this season just looks extremely disappointing for him. And by the end of the season, he was playing with one shoulder. He couldn't throw the ball past 20 yards downfield. Um, and I was definitely feeling that in the box score every week uh, with his output. So he ends up finishing QB 13. Uh, and then Kalen just spent $15 on him uh, to keep him when his, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, his auction value was around four bucks. It was four. So you that's a negative $11 value and a frosty score of negative 40. So way overpaid at a, at a position uh, that you can usually get for pretty cheap on draft day. Um, so that, that's definitely why Cam Newton is on this list, just with the negative value there and with the type of season he was able to put together with the injuries uh, that was going to land him here. Um, you look at Marquise Goodwin from Tyler Kerr's squad, uh, just, a lot of different factors to play in this one. And he really didn't keep him for high value. Um, Goodwin goes down for a good portion of the season. Garoppolo goes down for almost the entire season. It's the perfect storm for a fantasy mess. Not a lot of it is in Goodwin's control there, um, but that's going to land him on this list for sure. Um, yeah, and and to, to expand on that coach, the, the, the real issue with, with Goodwin this year was just output, uh, you know, Kerr didn't put out a ton for him. He, he got him for $7. ESPN had him for 6 So that's a $1 difference. But it really was just outcome here that lands him so far down on our list. Yeah, I, I think I think I get where Coach Kerr was looking on this one, just seeing the vast potential of Goodwin as kind of a Deshaun Jackson-type clone, especially when you factor in Garoppolo's arm strength in those sunny conditions out there in San Fran. You, you think that that could be a good match, and, and maybe, maybe long-term it is. Uh, but it just didn't pan out last season. It was, there was a lot of things that didn't go San Fran's way last year, and this was one of them. Um, and uh, if you look at uh, Matthew Stafford, that Dave Peston kept for $6, uh, he ends up being tied for the sixth highest paid quarterback in the league. Uh, and, and Peston didn't play him past about the first five or six weeks of the season. Uh, once Jared Goff replaced him in the starting lineup and Stafford had his worst, probably his worst uh, season since his rookie season out there. Um, definitely probably could have got him for a dollar or two on draft day. I'm, I'd be very interested to talk with Dave when he comes on this show to see what he was thinking behind that Matthew Stafford keeper. Yeah. Cause this guy, I mean, Stafford doesn't even have the, like I can get, pulling in cam newton not for 15 but i can see pulling in cam newton but matthew stafford just doesn't have that upside he is the guy you know when we talk to when we talk to steve you know he's tossing around you know not keeping mahomes for seven uh you know and this that's why I, this one just really does not make sense to me for six dollars stafford's not the guy i completely agree let me let me give you three names that finished above him in the qb rankings Eli Manning, Josh Allen, Case Keenum. Oh my I mean, gosh! Just looking back, I, I I just I don't see any rationale for keeping Stafford at that price, um, and it really it paid out about the way I expected it to. 
Yeah, I'm really curious when Dave comes on here to ask him about that. Because um, it just, uh, did he click the wrong button? Like, that's what I'm really thinking at this point. It's very possible. It's very possible. Anything's possible in this instance. And I, I'd really like to get the answer from him. Who else you got, Coach? Uh, I, I think it's worth uh, calling out Jimmy Graham at tight end, too. I know I mentioned uh, earlier just the tight end deficit uh, that exists. And uh, Jimmy Graham uh, didn't have a great season the year before. I know I know uh, Kalen King, uh, he kind of, kind of rode the two tight end system in uh, 2017 that got him to the playoffs, uh, got him sneaking into the playoffs there uh, and decided to try and rekindle that magic last season by keeping – Kelsey and Jimmy Graham. Um, Jimmy Graham, obviously not in the same realm as Travis Kelsey. He ends up keeping Graham for $12. He ends up finishing his tight end 12. So a dollar per ranking spot, pretty much Um, only finishes 130.6 points. Uh, He finished in single digits, 10 of the 16 weeks. He also spent some time on my roster at some point. Um, uh, he, he jumped around to a couple of different rosters, started with Kalen's roster, came over to mine, ended up on Joe Reedy's team when it was all said and done, disappointed in all three spots, really. Um, only averaged 3.4 catches per game. Um, definitely an overspend by Kalen on that keeper. Uh, prob- probably just trying to force a tight end pick where it just wasn't there. Yeah, and, and ESPN had him as an average auction value of $5 last year, so he overspent by 7 then got bad outcome. But I even think if Jimmy Graham had a career season, I don't think we're talking about him as being a great keeper because because that value just wasn't there. So he finished with a frosty score of negative 12. Yeah, one, one truth just holds the form year after year after year. It's that Aaron Rodgers does not use tight ends. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what they've done in the past. He's not throwing to them. So probably take note for this year's draft. I don't expect it to change. Absolutely. Now, one guy we didn't talk about here at number 19 was Josh Gordon. So now on Coach Gorgonzola's team, but of course it was my roster the year before. Uh, you know, I kept him for six dollars. He had an average auction value of 21. So I got him for a value of 15. Uh, you know, and with a guy like Gordon, you know he's probably gonna get in trouble. He's probably gonna get suspended. And, you know, sure enough, it happened. Uh, I got some good production out of him. Um, between suspensions and injuries that were probably also suspensions, uh, you know, one of those to suspend you. So I'll just be injured. Um, you know, so not surprised to see a guy like Josh Gordon on this list. Um, but you know, at a pretty good value, I'll, I'll eat that one. That, that keeper selection on your side, I, I imagine, was one of those, you know, it's it's worth the risk type type decisions where you pay $6 for him, knowing full well there's a very, very good chance he doesn't turn things around and just ends up being another another lost season for him, which um, and compared to most of his seasons, he did play a ton last, last year and did get a lot of playing time, but just not able to gain any traction um, through Cleveland, ends up getting traded couple weeks into the season goes to new England um, really ends up being the deep threat that Tom Brady doesn't use too much in his advanced age at this point. And then obviously has a suspension issue that, that resurfaces by the end of the season. So it's just more of the same for him. And it looks like he goes into this next season, almost in the same exact place he was last season. So it's just revisionist history on Josh Gordon. 
You know, and Gordon, his he has so much plus side. He can be one of the best receivers in this league if he just stays out of trouble. And that that's the risk that that I think any owner who is who has Gordon on his on his roster, who's considering keeping him, it's one of those it's low risk but potentially really high reward. It's such a shame, especially being here in Cleveland. You see it, you saw it year after year where um I mean, you just you just watch him run routes and just just see the raw talent he has. And the dude has Hall of Fame potential from a skills standpoint. There's very few players in the league that are put together like he is and who are just as fluid an athlete as he is. Um, but none of it matters if he can't stay on the field. So you can see why his skill set is so intoxicating for evaluators out there and why they'd have to get him into their building. But so far, nobody's been able to get him on the straight and narrow to the point where he's actually able to stay on the field and be a, a positive contribution to a team the entire season. No, absolutely. And with that, I think we've ended another installment of the Frosty Podcast. Uh, join us next time when Coach Kalen King comes on to answer some of these uh, questions we have about his drafting and keeper strategy. Um, He's going to tell us about why he feels he deserves a lot more attention for finishing second in this league. And uh, we'll ask him about the ACT. We'll ask him about who he thinks can uh, beat Groover this year and who he thinks is going to be in that last place penalty spot. With Tony Perenni, I'm Derek Frost. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.